This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DTC pod. I'm your host, Jay, and today I'm joined with Juliana Jackson, who's the head of product marketing at OmniConvert. And OmniConvert is a company that helps data-driven marketers around the world to understand, segment, convert, and retain more customers. Juliana, super excited to have you on the podcast today. I know we're going to be talking a little bit about customer lifetime value and how to market to the right people at the right time. So we have a lot of things that we're going to cover there. But before I go ahead and jump in, I'll let you go ahead and give a little intro to the audience and tell us a little bit more about yourself and what OmniConvert does. Hey, Jay, really pumped to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, excited about talking about customer lifetime value because that's my favorite topic <laughs> and probably one of the hardest topics of uh, the end of this year in, um, in e-commerce. Well, as you correctly stated, OmniConvert takes care of helping merchants uh, be focused on uh, their uh, retail analytics, about uh, be focused on conversion rate optimization, and how to improve customer lifetime value through data-driven uh, insights. So we are a technology company, a SaaS technology company. We're based in Bucharest, Romania. We've been in the market since 2013. And we have been helping more than 50,000 uh, uh, e-commerce websites over the time with conversion rate optimization and retention strategies. And right now, we are very focused on uh, our new software review, which is a customer lifetime value optimization software. So we spend all day optimizing customer lifetime value. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I know we're going to be talking about optimizing customer lifetime value. And one of the things that goes right with that topic hand in hand is customer acquisition. And, you know, I feel like a lot of brands focus on the customer acquisition piece versus the retention part. So I'm curious to ask you, because you guys work with so many brands, why is customer retention just as important to focus on, you know, if not more important to focus on? I mean, I guess when you go into e-commerce as a new brand, it's very understandable to focus on acquisitions because uh, Jay Abraham was saying there are two ways to uh, grow a business. You either bring new customers or you either focus on the ones that you have to purchase again from you. So there's only two ways. And obviously one of them is acquisition and one of them is retention. A lot of people put uh, acquisition and retention against each other and they think they should focus that acquiring customers and retaining customers one at a time, but not working you know, with both of them at the same time. If you look online and you just do like a simple Google about acquisition, you always find articles saying that you're acquiring a new customer costs up to seven times more than retaining an existing one. So even that statement right there should, you know, make you feel like, okay, am I losing money right now? So when compared to uh, brand new ones, your current customers are more likely to make another purchase from you. And when they do, they often spend more money than the first time buyers. So based on the maturity of the e-commerce and how they perceive growth, you will either find product-centric e-commerce companies or you'll have customer-centric e-commerce companies. So the product-centric ones are focused on selling and bringing new products and, uh, I guess, uh, emptying stocks and so on. And that happens in the beginning of an e-commerce lifetime. 
once you get over the fact that you have products and okay, people are buying your products, you have to think about customers and in terms of, you know, how do you provide value besides the product that you're giving in order to sustain the growth of your business. So, I mean, in a few words, you cannot have one without the other. So in order to create a sustainable e-commerce, yes, you should do acquisitions, but at the same time, if you don't focus on retention, you won't be able to keep the online doors open uh, for too long. Because, I mean, Jay, think about it. Your customer base is the best asset that your store has. And customers already know your brand, they know your products, and they appreciate your service. I mean, some of them, right? So focusing your time and energy on improving the experience for this group, as opposed to always trying to find new customers, can be a very powerful way to increase your revenues for your store. And I guess the most important thing here has become, you know, tracking the customer journey. I don't know if I answered (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I I definitely agree with you. I think there's a lot of stuff that you can do in terms of retention. And just like you mentioned, you know, your average order value might be a little bit higher with the customer that's already come on board, you know, that you've acquired because first of all, they're comfortable if they're coming back to purchase again, I think you nailed it that they're more comfortable with willing to buy your product. And not only that, but they might be more willing to try out other products that you have as well. So you might see that average order value really jump up there. And so I love how you hit on retention over there just being such an important piece. And I know tracking that customer journey is important as well. And I know we're going to dive into steps that we can do to help track that because a lot of times it's easier said than done, I think, for most e-commerce brands, especially when they're starting out. So we definitely want to jump into that. But, you know, I want to continue on talking about customer lifetime value over here. And one of the things, you know, with retention, obviously, customer lifetime value is basically that the hand in hand metric you want, you know, your customers to continue to keep coming back and spending money with you. And customer lifetime value can be a really good indicator of what kind of payback you're getting for your brand. And so speaking of retention, customer lifetime value being an important piece of that. Can you kind of explain how customer lifetime value should be used to keep track of growth and understanding if your business is growing sustainably? Yeah, of course. So when I start the conversation about customer lifetime value, I always like to call it like the hot new old metric, you know, (laughs) because customer lifetime value was highly used back in the 50s and the 60s in um all these, you know, fashion catalogs that I guess, uh, I think it was in the US too, we had them here in Europe, there was this magazine called Neckerman, and there was like this big, huge yellow paper type of catalogs for clothes, and people were using uh, RFM segmentation, and I'll get back to that a bit more in the conversation to um, predict customer lifetime value, because it's always having the bread and butter of e-commerce, because Customer lifetime value alone shows you how much your store values in the eyes of your customers. And, you know, if you want the marketing definition, we all know is the money your customers spend in your business over the entire lifetime of, you know, your relationship. So, you know, the thing that you need to think in improving customer lifetime value is to understand the customer behavior that generates that lifetime value. Because... Your customers aren't just worth the amount of money they spend on your business today. They have future value if you're able to retain them as customers. So we go back to the customer retention and why it's important. 
And to be able to predict this customer lifetime value, it's actually called predictive lifetime value. It's a metric. And to gain this type of metric, you have to take in consideration retention rate, average order value. It's basically what we were discussing before. So this future value of customer lifetime value, it's much more important than the one you have, you know, based on solely the spend. Because this is the biggest flaw in customer lifetime value. If you look only at the amount of money that they spend on your business today without thinking about tomorrow, then you're not necessarily tracking and using it right. I hope it makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I I love how you added that part about the predicted factor, which is like you want to try and predict what kind of customer lifetime value each person that comes in is going to have because that can help you predict more of your business and what kind of revenue you're going to have over time. And so, you know, we're talking about customer lifetime value being a really important piece of the growth for e-commerce businesses. You want to have repeat purchases. I think something that's always interesting to me is, you know, balancing customer acquisition versus customer lifetime value What is your kind of take on that balance? Do businesses or brands need to be profitable on that first purchase? Or do you think brands can afford to spend a little bit more to acquire a customer and then be profitable on, you know, a second purchase or a third purchase? So you are super correct. Uh, I'm assuming you're talking about cost per acquisition and uh, CLV ratio. So in order to understand this ratio and calculate this ratio, you need to understand that this is representative of the balance between uh, customer acquisition and customer lifetime value, but you have to calculate cost per acquisition and customer lifetime value individually, right? So the cost per acquisition, it's a very misunderstood metric in e-commerce because from my experience, maybe like 40 to 50% of the you know e-commerce brands that I talk to and I'm not talking about, you know, big ones, six, seven, eight figures. I'm talking about, you know, new brands and uh, smaller brands. They don't understand how to calculate customer uh, acquisition cost because they think the customer acquisition cost is just the money that they spend on ads. They don't add into calculation how much they spend on marketing tech, how much they pay the salaries for the people, how much they pay the designers for the creatives, how much, you know, do they invest in, um, you know, all the, the software and everything that's involved in the marketing. So unless you calculate the customer acquisition cost correctly, obviously the ratio between the customer acquisition and the customer lifetime value is going to be, is going to be uh, flawed. So you know, at core, you know, in the customer acquisition, ask the question, what does it cost or cost my business right now? Because an unhealthy ratio between how much you spend on customers versus how much those customers spend on your store on a lifetime perspective, ultimately, if it's flawed, that ratio is gonna, you are losing money with each customer that you bring. So, while customer acquisition cost looks at the value it takes to create a new customer, customer lifetime value looks at the other half of the equation, what happens once you actually have that customer. So customer lifetime value uses, um, as you mentioned earlier, a combination of average order value and purchase frequency to estimate the average customer's total value to the specific brand, you know, over the entire lifetime. So that's how you basically calculate customer lifetime value in the classical way. But (laughs) this is funny, and I wish this was a video podcast because I wanted to show this slide to you guys 
Because a lot of people thought that the e-commerce growth formula is customers multiplied by CLV, you know, CLV and CAC ratio, and that equals growth. But the actual e-commerce growth formula involves the RFM segmentation, the margins, the customer experience, the net promoter score, and the customer effort score. So it's not that easy anymore, Jay. <laughs> it's not that, you know, it, I actually had the conversation about, you know, this uh, with someone today. They were asking me, why do I need to look at customer lifetime value? I can just use my P&O. But P&O doesn't show you the flaws in your business. So when you combine this type of things, you can get, you know, the answer to a more important question, to what extent is a customer worth their cost? So in other words, what is the true value of a customer to your business? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense over there. The other factors that you talked about, especially something like MPS, where you know you can kind of figure out and maybe get ahead of issues that you have with your product, what customers aren't enjoying of it. So I think that's a really good way to kind of get ahead of it. And like you said, there are some other factors over there. So, you know, we've talked about how important, you know, lifetime value is in the role of growing an e-commerce brand. And I know you mentioned some other things as well. So just kind of recapping over here, what are some other metrics that brands, growth metrics that brands should be looking for outside of just customer lifetime value? So if we're talking about e-commerce only, which is the, which is the case, our growth formula at Omniconvert involves other metrics than just the number of customers, the lifetime value, the cost per acquisition. I was mentioning RFM segmentation, margin, customer experience, MPS, and customer effort score. Obviously, everyone knows what's margin and what's customer experience, at least in you know idealistic way, right? But what I wanted to point, you know, in terms of metrics and in terms of things to track, I want to um, take some time to discuss about RFM segmentation because not a lot of people understand it or use it or, you know, know of it. And if you allow me, I can uh, dive a bit into this metric. It stands for recency, frequency, and monetary value. It appeared in the 50s or 60s, something like that. And it basically, if applied to a customer base, RFM segmentation and analysis can basically create groups of people that have the same transactional behavior based on how recent do they buy, how frequent do they buy, and the monetary value. So RFM stands for recency, frequency, and monetary value. By applying this RFM analysis to a customer database, let's say you are, I can actually talk about one of our customers is Decathlon. I'm not sure if they're in America. I think they are in the United States to Decathlon uh, sells sports apparel. It's a huge store. It's a huge online store. And they have millions of customers. So they used our product to uh, segment their customer base based on how people purchase from them, based on the recency, frequency, and monetary value. Knowing how people purchase from you and what is their transactional history and transactional behavior towards your store, you will be able to understand what are the steps in your buying process that are flawed? Because this group doesn't only show you the soulmates or VIP customers that you know are always purchasing from you. They have a high order value, you know, the good cases. In this type of, uh, you know, if we talk about the good cases, you can easily think about the Pareto principle that 80% of your uh, business, your you know margins come from 20% of your customers. But what if you increase that 20%? So you won't only see through RFM segmentation the good customers, you will see the ones that purchased one time from you, they had a very high order value, but they never came back to your store again. 
And when you have a huge number of those people, you stop and ask yourself, you know, what did I do wrong? And this takes me to another metric, because you are talking about metrics that works very well with RFM segmentation, which is chances to place the next order. So basically, the chances to place the next order shows you that based on um, the chances that you have for a new customer that bought from you to purchase from you again. And obviously, if you look at the gap between the first and the second order, and if that gap is big, let's say there's only 6% chance for someone to buy from you again, it means that something happens after the order has been fulfilled that makes that uh, new customer of yours not purchase from you again. So this is where you have to go with your whole you know, marketing team and uh, do some qualitative research and understand what happened in that point that stopped that customer from buying uh, from you again. And usually what happens is that the user journey is so unilateral and so misunderstood that most uh, merchants think that it all stops after the order has been fulfilled. But I hope I answered your questions because I went on a lot of uh, (laughs) narratives. But yes, RFM segmentation is very important because this can help you segment your customers based on how they purchase from you and what's their relationship with your store. And knowing this, you as an e-commerce, you'll be empowered with the information of how you can actually treat these customers. Because if you treat everyone the same, you won't have results. Like the modern buyer right now is changed. No one is going to stay with you if you don't you know, ask them how they feel about the word or whatever. There was this uh, thing that the lady that started the Mary Kay that said, I treat uh, my customer like they have a sign hanging over the next that says, make me feel special. So if your customer doesn't feel special, ultimately, he's not going to buy from you again. And to find out, you know, what are the problems in the customer journey, you definitely need RFM segmentation. And you definitely need to look at RFM segmentation and average days between transactions and chances to place the next order to see the gaps that you have in the user journey. So these are some important metrics for me. I think this can give you a very good head start into undergoing this uh, customer centricity path that everyone wants to have. I guess, sorry, I'm talking too much. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense, Juliana. So I appreciate you diving into that. And I think that's really interesting, that other piece of the puzzle. You know, you talked about one thing that stuck with me a lot was growing that other 20%, like growing that 20%. So obviously, you know, 20% of your customers might be 80% of your business. And the bigger that 20% like gets in terms of number of people. So, you know, maybe you have a thousand customers and your 20% is going to be 200 people. So, you know, you try and grow to, you try and 2x your customers and you want to keep that 20% over there or even grow that 20% to kind of increase the amount of revenue that's coming into your business. And, you know, Part of it, you know, we talked about customer lifetime value, lifetime value, how important that metric is. And the other part of it is marketing to people at the right time when they're most likely to purchase. And you kind of talked about diving into a lot of those metrics over there. So on that note, I want to ask you, actually, what are some good indicators that you can see that will show customers are ready to purchase or might be ready to, you know, get back to your website and get something? So, I mean, the first uh, thing that comes to my mind based on, you know, what I do, it would obviously be a deep dive in your first-party data. I'm not a big fan of third-party data, 
because uh, I think it's very cloudy for me and it's not necessarily going to predict the behavior of your customers, but I believe in first-party data firsthand. And by analyzing historical data, you can actually do these types of predictions on when people are ready to purchase again. So as I was uh, speaking about earlier, the chances to place the next order part, it's extremely important because it takes in consideration the predictive lifetime value. It takes in consideration the frequency of people that purchase from you. And it can predict you the chances for certain groups of people to purchase from you again. So let's say, so the RFM segmentation by default has nine groups. Let's talk about three of them. Let's talk about the soulmates, the VIP customer. Let's talk about new passions, which is people that purchased one time from you and had a high order value. And let's talk about about to dump use, which are people that purchased from you many times before. They used to be soulmates, but they never came back to purchase from your store in a long time. So Calculating the chances to place the next order for these types of groups, I'm going to tell you as a marketing person, as an e-commerce manager or e-commerce marketing manager, how you should address these people and when they are ready to buy. So if you calculate the average days between transactions for each of these groups and you know look at the chances to place the next order, you will know, not necessarily that these people are going to buy Sundays at four, right? <laughs> but you will know that they are purchasing, you will know their percentage of, you know, of the chance for them to purchase again from you based on how they purchased before. So the soulmates are the people that you need to hype all the time. Those are your bread and butter. You should always be careful with them, give them high quality support, give them, I guess, you know, different attention. I'm never saying give them discounts or sales. I'm going to talk about that later. But I'm saying these people you have to hype all the time. The new passions is people that purchase from you for the first time and they spend a good amount of money. So they have a high order, average order value. This indicates that they gave you their trust. If you don't address these people right away and not to sell to them, and not to give them discounts or whatever, but just by understanding them, by having a conversation or give them value, basically, I don't know, let's say I bought a pair of jeans from, I don't know, some fashion store. And instead of you sending me an email after I bought your jeans asking me to buy a shirt too, I will tell you what goes with those jeans. Who is wearing them? What is that jean you know, material made of? Is it, I don't know, some sort of conscious line which uses cotton and organic or whatever. I mean, the jeans is not the best example, but you kind of get what, where I'm going for. Make me trust you. Make me feel special. Send me a note. Thank you for purchasing these jeans. I hope you enjoyed them. Send us a picture wearing them. We put it on our social media. Don't jump to buy to them. So finding the right moment, the right time, it's something that you need to tread in very carefully because you have two types of people. You have the existing customers and you have the ones that are lurking on your website. If you think about selling, you know, based on your historical data that you already have, if that influences you, to sell very fast to everyone that comes on your website, you will end up not selling because people are not necessarily at the same level. As you probably know, there's awareness, consideration, and decision. So you have to respect that. So a lot of people, what they do in e-commerce, they take this first-party data wrong, and they think, you know, I have these three groups of customers that I was mentioning to you. I'm just going to go on Facebook and create lookalike audiences, and I'm going to bring more customers like this. But you don't think that those customers are not necessarily, you know, they don't know your business. Even if they are similar to these people, let's say they wear jeans and whatever, they don't know your business. So it would be very wrong if you'd go and try to market to these people your product 
directly and, you know, thinking they're ready to buy it just because they look alike audiences, even if they don't know your business. So I always say to e-commerce companies, the best way to find the right moment to market to new customers or existing customers is in your data. But you should always be aware of where they are in the customer or the user journey. I hope it makes sense. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And it's just really having a close eye and a close understanding on what your customers are doing. And I think when I'm thinking about that, it's more so of, hey, this person maybe purchases every month or something like that. And people are going to purchase at different frequencies and just kind of having a good understanding of when people are purchasing, what they're purchasing. It's definitely easier said than done, but I think that makes a lot of sense for how you can make sure that you're marketing at the right time. It's just coming across and like you said, even adding value in some instances where, you know, you mentioned, you know, you were talking about the jeans, even though that wasn't maybe the best example, but it was talking about how, you know, maybe the material that what kind of material is used in the product or telling a story about the product, getting someone to maybe share a photo on social and things like that, and just continuing to grow that brand relationship. So I think that's really interesting there. And, you know, we've talked about the indicators of when people are likely to purchase. Obviously, there are some indicators when people are unlikely to purchase. Again, I know you talked about the people that are about to dump you in that section as well. What are some of those indicators that you usually see for people that are possibly about to leave and how can you help, you know, fix those leaks in your funnel? Yeah. So unfortunately that group of people is always very high. So it happens like this. You let's say, let's take the best example is Black Friday, Cyber Monday week, right? So everyone right now is super focused. We're going to do sales. We're going to do acquisitions. So let's say you get cohorts of people, right? Purchasing from you. Well, you acquired these people today. If they're satisfied with the experience with you, they're going to buy again and maybe again and again. Depends on your business model and, of course, and what you're selling. I'm not going to give the jeans thing, but let's say, I don't know, you are selling beauty products because those have a higher frequency. And if you buy a lotion, you will buy a lipstick and whatever. So you have people that purchase from you over and over again, but you don't treat them differently, right? So you send, this is what happens. It's like, it's crazy, but it still happens in e-commerce that, you know, many brands are sending the same message to everyone. It doesn't matter if you ordered 50 times from a company or you ordered one time, they will still mass message you about their latest sales and promotions. So they don't address you based on where you're at in their, uh, in the journey. And I'm sure it happened to you that you bought from a store and then immediately you just get spammed by all their latest promotions. But they never asked you, you know, Jay, did you like this? How do you feel? How we can do better? What's your take? So by constantly doing that, there's a group of people that at some point stop giving a, a damn. And they just stop purchasing from you. Even, you know, we have users that have customers that purchase from them 70, 80 times. But then they just stop. Because they weren't treated differently. So, you know, usually we did this research on 400 e-commerces. Happy to share it with you afterwards. And uh, basically the biggest reason we found that customers are leaving stores is because they think the e-commerce company doesn't give a, you know, a damn about them. And it's actually true, (laughs) you know, because unfortunately consumers are still seen as transactions. So that group of about to dump you, you cannot go to that group of people once you have it in your face 
and try to sell them something. They will not buy from you. That group you should do some qualitative research on and ask them, what made you stop buying from us? What happened that, you know, you decided to buy from somewhere else? What can we do to get you back? And once you collect information on a good sample size of that group, you can decide how you can get these people back to purchase from you again and become at least lovers or soulmates or uh, VIP customers. So you have a chance to win them back or you have a chance to, you know, simply churn. You know, uh, they will churn. A very important thing that I want to mention in this group about to dump you, which is very important for any e-commerce uh, company that does RFM segmentation, is that this group, because remember we were talking about the cohorts that come for Black Friday and Cyber Monday, usually this group contains people that are bargain hunters, right? So these are people that have small order values and they purchased a few times only when you sell on discounts and you have promotions and whatever, so the way I would repurpose this group of people that are low um, average order value, I would free up my stock. I will sell all, you know, out of season clothes, out of, uh, you know, whatever. So this is the way to repurpose this average order value customers by selling them things that you want to get rid of because they will always purchase from you at, uh, you know, only if you sell on discount. And uh, yeah, this is how I see this about to dump your group. You can either win them back you can either lose them or you can repurpose them for different uh, reasons. But the most important thing to do to understand how to treat these people is to do qualitative research, to understand where in the buying process they just stop giving up that. I didn't say the effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I know having those flows and having those kind of, they're more so of nurturing flows, I guess, to kind of just really understand and connect with your customer and figure out, you know, what led them to the buying decision, even like what the use case is going to be, all those different things you can kind of dig in and figure out that can help determine how you can improve your purchase funnel and everything. And so, you know, as we're coming to the end of this podcast, I want to ask you one other quick thing. I know we're coming short on time over here, but so to increase revenue fast, you know, we've talked about how it's important to pay attention to that most profitable customer. We talked about that with the 80-20 rule over there. What are some strategies or tools that brands can use to better understand their more profitable segments? If you just want to do like a quick rapid fire of things that you have. Cool. So the most important thing that I want to say, which is going to qualify for, you know, as a good response is to remember e-commerce companies that in 2022, Third-party data is going to disappear from Google. So all the companies that you work for in turn, that do advertising, all the advertising agencies that you work with, PPC, whatever, they're going to be screwed if they don't use a software that does first-party data monitoring and gives you insights on the existing customer's behavior. So definitely take a break from thinking about advertising so much and you know take some time looking at your existing customers. I'm obviously going to say, Try our software reveal. It's free on the Shopify store. You can find it there. You can read tons of testimonials for customers that are using it. And this is a software that's going to give you a very fresh perspective on how do people buy from you? How happy are they with your business? And where are you going from a customer lifetime value perspective or retention perspective? I will also invest in doing a conversion rate optimization based on first party data which is very important. And also, God, please use email marketing. There's uh, tools like Klaviyo, like active campaigns that you can use yesterday 
on these segments of customers that you have, and you're basically sleeping on gold. So that you're ex- you will see, Jay, that in 2021, everyone is going to talk about customer data platforms. So I'm a bit ahead of time with this. I've been telling people about this for some time. In 2021, you will see that everyone is going to talk about customer data platforms and headless e-commerce. So yeah, that's my answer. Well, that's a good thing to look out for, for anyone that's listening to the podcast. I think people are definitely going to dive in and do some research over there. So I think, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff on this episode. Juliana, it's been awesome having you over here to talk about, you know, lifetime value. We've talked about how to market to the right people. We've talked about how to potentially save some of those customers and even grow relationships with your existing customers. So I've really enjoyed this episode. I think I've learned a lot and I'm really excited to see, you know, what the future of e-commerce holds as well. You know, you you hinted at some of those trends right at the end, but Juliana, I want to thank you for joining us on the DTC pod. It's been really fun and it's been a great episode. And before we wrap things up, I want to give you an opportunity. I know you mentioned it as well, but if there's any way that the audience can connect with OmniConvert or connect with you, feel free to share those before we sign off. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. This was awesome. I enjoyed talking and geeking out about these things with you. I hope it was valuable for you and for the audience. If you want to talk to me about how to grow your e-commerce, about retention, segmentation, just add me on LinkedIn. I met Juliana Jackson and I have an alien emoji in front of my name, so you'll know who it is. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Jay. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for everyone out there that's listening to this episode of the DTC pod. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to give us a quick rating and subscribe to the podcast for future episodes. And we'll see you next time. See ya.